Um, all right, so we are, we are um, again, just to, if you're joining us online, we're glad you're with us. This is Wednesday Night Bible Study at HBF, and we're in a season where we're doing question-answer Bible studies, and uh, no question is dumb or stupid, just the question that you don't ask, right? Uh, all, it's, uh, there's nothing that uh, any of us uh, can ask that is somebody else hasn't probably already been wondering, and all the answers are in the Bible, that doesn't mean I can find them. So that just uh, means that that's our source for absolute standard, and uh, we're glad that uh, we have the Word of God, which is absolute. So I have two. I have three questions. No, I got two questions. Um, I think two or three questions already on the table tonight. So praise the Lord for that. Um, you guys were were paying attention. So last week I went the whole time, and then who was it that helped me at the end summarize the question for uh, you, Pam? Chris Cohen, yeah, that's right. So, uh, so I, uh, I thought, well, that's a, that's a lot. That was pretty concise there at the end. I wish I'd have been that concise. So, uh, the first question I have uh, posed to me, I'm just going to go in the order in which they came uh, to me, um, was actually asked this weekend, and so I'm going to, going to go ahead and put that out. And Jan, if you're watching at home, we're glad that you're watching. And uh, if not, you'll pick this up later. But um, the question is, and this is a really good question: uh, Does the the world have to hear the gospel, or the biblical, or the or does the Bible need to be translated in every tongue before the Lord Jesus Christ returns for the church? So, uh, what? Do you think about that? And why would someone ask that question? Let me ask that. Why? Why is that even a question? What's that? Yeah, right. That's that's why. So specifically, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to to uh, to Mark thirteen. This question came because uh, uh, someone in our church uh, had been listening, watching the television. Uh, they'd been homebound, and they had noticed that this had come up uh, a time or two. And uh, this is the first time I think I've had someone ask this question at church on a QA and so I was pretty excited actually to to feel it because this is something that uh, I came across probably about oh probably about 18 or 16 years ago I don't remember it's been a few years ago now I've slept since then but uh it, it sat wrong with me I, I heard it and I was like wait a minute what what let me check into that and it actually redirected the course of uh, our support for a certain ministry or lack there. I was considering supporting a ministry, and I realized they didn't know kind of what they were talking about. So I kind of went another direction, which was a good decision. Anyway, um, Mark chapter 13 is the text in which this, you know, is one of the texts, one of a few texts in which this uh, question would kind of naturally come uh, if you're just reading it and and. Uh, you know, it's 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 a good question. It's a logical question. In Mark chapter thirteen. Uh, I'll tell you what. Since somebody want to read, read that. Anybody want to read that? People might get tired of me. Pat, you got it. The whole thing. Just thir- verse ten. Mark thirteen ten. No, not the whole thing. Please. <laughs> and it says. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. All right. So th- that's uh, so. This is the context here, 
is Jesus on the Temple Mount. Uh, if you go back to verse 1, it says, And as he went out on the Temple Mount, or on the Temple, as he went out of the Temple, I should say, one of the disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answering and said unto him, See thou these great buildings, there shall not one be left, <clears throat> one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Wow. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives uh, over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? And Jesus answered them and began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And when, they, and when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. There, uh, these are these are the beginning uh, beginnings plural of sorrows. Uh, verse nine. But take heed how uh, take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils. Which in the Bible, if you find the word council with an I. It's always against Christ. They will deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for my testimony against them. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. Okay, verse 10. Uh, when, uh, but when they shall lead you and deliver you, uh, take no th thought beforehand what ye shall speak, neither do you uh, premeditate, but whatsoever thing... Or, I'm sorry, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for it is, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Uh, and so he's he's basically the question here is okay, um, the gospel must be preached or published, I should say, first be published among all nations. So, um, hmm. So what do you what do you do about with that? Okay, so before Jesus comes, the context here is that. That there's going to be, you know, the gospel is going to have to go to all nations. Um, you get to verse. I'm just going to fast forward down to verse 14. It says, "But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of Daniel the prophet standing in, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand, and let him, <laughs> let them that be of Judea flee to the mountains, and let him that is on the housetop go down into the housetop. Neither." Enter therein to take anything out of his house, and let him that is in the field not turn back again. Uh, for to take up his garment. But woe unto them that are with child, and them that give suck in those days, and pray ye that your flight be not in winter. Uh, for in those days shall the affliction uh, shall be affliction such as was not from the beginning of the creation, uh, which God created unto this time, neither shall be. And except the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. If any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, uh, uh, lo, he is there. Believe him not, for false Christs and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. All right, and so he goes on and talks in the verse 32 where it deals with that great day and the Lord's return. So the the, the question, or not the question, but the, the presupposition is that the gospel has to be preached in every nation or published among all nations. I keep saying preached. Published is the word there in verse 10. And so some companies, or some companies, some ministries would say, well, until we get the Bible to all 7,000, uh, you know, 
people groups that have yet to get it, which there are just about that. There's it's getting smaller, maybe five thousand now. I don't know, but then the, then Jesus can't return, and so um, that would seem to make sense, wouldn't it, with what that what that says? Good question. Is published the same word that is preached? Well, if it was preached, it would say preached, so it says published, but it is proclaiming and published are similar, so it could be preached, could be get the Bible out. So Bible, there's a Bible translation company that, that this is what first prompted my flag to start waving on this. I was at a, at a meeting, and a Bible uh, a translation company was wanting us to get involved in their pro- projects, which is great. And this is the verse they use. Like, we've got to get the Bible published to all nations or the Lord's not coming back. That's literally what they were saying. And I was like, well, wait a minute. The Lord's not coming back. If, okay, so I knew then, uh, and I know, I obviously I know the answer. I'm kind of dragging this out just a little bit, just to kind of see where you guys are at. But, um, you know, when we say the Lord's coming back, let me grab my board here. What are we really talking about here? Um, you know, we've already, I've already said one of the things that's so important in kind of deciphering this. And once you get this, it, it'll really help you a lot in your Bible study, which is context, right? So first thing is, what book are we in? Yeah, we're in Mark. Okay, so when we think about that, we're in Mark 13. Specifically, we're dealing with verse 10. Now, this isn't the only passage that would kind of that leans that way. Uh, grab your Bible and flip over to Matthew, uh, the book of Matthew. Once I say this chapter, many of you will automatically go, oh, okay. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. And we could run right through this. I, I will actually just kind of skip. I'm not going to go word for word for time's sake. But Matthew 24, if you look down in verse 1, starting there, Jesus went out and departed from the temple, right, just like we see in Mark 13. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, of course, he is dealing with, historically, what happened. We know that, well, um, that's true. There wasn't a stone that wouldn't be torn down. In 70 A.D., uh, Titus came in and destroyed the temple. And that's a fulfillment of Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 8. Uh, I'll get to that later. But I just want to just kind of point that out. Now, if you skip on down here to verse 3, he says, and As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, and just kind of make a mental note of where he's sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. And we know that those three disciples, right, uh, that we saw in Mark, Peter, James, and John, I think he may have said Andrew as well, I'd have to go back and, and look, but it wasn't. It's not all the disciples uh, are with him, um, and so Judas isn't there. That's a good thing because he's he's already going to he's going to talk about the abomination of desolation, all of those things, uh, which is this, where the son of perdition will be. All right. So verse three it says, and as he sat upon the mount of olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, "Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and the end of the world." So they want to, you'll notice in the end of verse 3, uh, it is dealing with, if you, you know, go over here to Matthew, same context, same account, just from a different perspective. When we look at that, we're dealing with the, the uh, 
sign of his coming and the end of the world. And when we see the world end, end when we see the phrase end of the world, we automatically think of uh, we often rush to the end of the millennium. That's not really what he's talking about. He's talking about the end the world. The world is no longer rule in the world until the, in the millennium Jesus will run the world. It'll come to its end at the second coming. All right, so uh, so that's what that is the context of both of those chapters. Now, so there's some things we've got to think about when it comes to this this time frame. Historically, there's by the way, there's three applications of scripture. So, what are the three applications of scripture? That's I'll write this down. All right, so what was the first one? Right, historical. All right, the second is doctrinal. That's what it's teaching. Oops. Teaching. Um, And then there is what we call devotional. Some also will call it inspirational. So you got these three applications of Scripture. And when you, when you get this down, it just helps you put everything into context, the proper context. So historically, uh, what we have here is we have um, Jesus talking to his, his disciples uh, before his death, burial, and resurrection. They're looking for a sign. We know 1 Corinthians one twenty two says Jews require a sign greeks seek after wisdom right um at this time at at this time historically jesus hasn't even gone to the cross and he's working with his hebrew disciples his jewish disciples and he's still trying to work through the nation of israel but they're fixing to reject him we know the story and how it goes all right so historically the mystery of the rapture right one of the things that confuses folks we talk about the sign of his coming they insert here the rapture and then, and one of the other, th- and for time's sake, I'm not going to jump into the all the different aspects of it. Uh, just I don't want to confuse everybody. But some people do that honestly because when you get back over to Matthew 13, he talks about a tribulation rapture that's going to catch people away, and people will be milling and they'll be caught because there's a rapture that happens in, inside of Daniel's 70th week as well. And so there is a rapture talked about in Mark 13, but it's not the rapture of the church. Right? So when Jesus is coming for the church, that's not even part of what we're talking about in Matthew or Luke. Or There's also a companion verse here, by the way. I think it's Matthew or Luke chapter 21. But Mark, Matthew, and Luke all have the same account from three different perspectives. All right, so what's he talking about? Well, he's talking... Now, the church isn't even, in, isn't even um, underway as far as, you know... What we're teaching right here, God could technically, historically, God could have established his kingdom through the nation of Israel. But he didn't do that. Of course, we know what happened as we get in the book of Acts. But that history hasn't happened yet. Now, because we know what has happened historically, because we have the book of Acts, and we have the Pauline epistles, and then we have the Hebrew epistles, and then we have the book of Revelation, right? we understand 
that this passage is dealing with the sign of his coming as it relates to what people group? The Jews, the nation of Israel, establishing, reestablishing Israel. And in part we know that so clearly because of Romans chapter 9 through 11, which gives us the timeline for the times of the Gentiles, the fullness of the Gentiles will become in, and, and then we understand that the Gentile nations will... Um, and we also have Revelation to help us understand that the, this, this coming that we're talking about here is the second coming. It's even keyed on with the, uh, in the text in Matthew 13 and Matthew 24 with the abomination of desolation, which is the key midway part of Daniel's 70th week. So we understand the time frame is even based off of the time frame given in Daniel, which was a prophecy to a Jew, a Hebrew, praying about the captivity of Israel and when they were going to be restored in the land. And while he's praying about going back after 70 years, God downloads 490 years on him and gives him this last year, this last week of years called Daniel's 70th week is what we call it. So he really gets downloaded <laughs> and stuff he couldn't even figure out really. He was just like, okay, uh, I'll write all this down and we'll sort it out later. And it's even said some of that sealed till the time of the end. There's things that we don't even know yet that will be revealed in the tribulation. Okay, so, so we know, but we know enough to know that historically the church was not in effect yet. The called out assembly, the way the Jews, the, the Gentiles would be brought in, the mystery that Christ would dwell in us, grace completely, I mean, all of that was still mystery form, that you didn't have to. Become a Jew, get circumcised, come through the nation of Israel. All of that was still... They didn't understand that yet. That still hadn't transpired. So doctrinally, what is this teaching us? Well, it's teaching us about what God's going to do with the nation of Israel in the coming tribulation. And how... Uh, and he even gives a timeline. I'll get into that just a little bit more. And devotionally and inspirationally, certainly, uh, it does apply to us in that we are to preach the gospel to every nation. Matthew, the, the Great Commission... Right is to go you therefore and teach all nations, right? Make disciples of all nations, and we do that right historically. They did that in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part simultaneously in the first century. By the time uh, the apostles and, uh, and and the apostle Paul spread out across uh, the known world at that time, Israel uh, rejected their Messiah in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and then lastly, Paul was in the uttermost parts. They rejected the gospel, and Paul shook the dust off his feet and said, I'm going to the Gentiles. And so Israel, unfortunately for them, not only rejected Stephen in Acts chapter 6, uh, they rejected the gospel, uh, you know, the leadership in the synagogues all the way throughout the known world. And by the end of that, by the end of the first century, right, you have uh, the church is in full form. Okay, so there's a lot in that, and so uh, a lot to look at as well. But you need to, we got to take all that into con, context, and that's why, for whatever reason, uh, there are folks that, that would just take a verse, which is we're not supposed to just take a verse and pull it out of context. Now, if you're going to do something devotionally, I'm going to have lots of grace with you taking a verse and just kind of rolling with it, and I'm not going to give you a lot of grief. But when you get up and, and you're on television and you're teaching people, it's a whole other issue, right? I mean, you really need to know what you're talking about. And so I'd have to say that those that would say that you have to that we have to translate the Bible in every language before Jesus will come at his, and the implication is at the rapture of the church. Uh, no, that's not accurate. The imminent return of Christ, even from the first century, Paul was ready then. 
You know, Paul was like, today, right, be ready. We don't know the day or the hour. You know, we don't know. We could be caught up out of here. And so, uh, and so the rapture, the imminent return of Christ is not dependent on that. As a matter of fact, the prophecies of the 144,000 who actually does get the gospel, and this is why it coordinates perfectly because it's God's word, and this is how we harmonize and bring it all together biblically is to, uh, some people get heartburn when we talk about dispensations, how the Bible's rightly divided. That's all that is talking about. Well, the reason that you have to rightly divide it is so you can properly harmonize it. Once you rightly divide it, it harmonizes perfectly. And so, and so when you really, when we understand the historical, doctrinal, inspirational application of these passages in Matthew, um, then we, and Mark and Luke and John, the four Gospels, and even in the book of Acts, well, then all of a sudden we can see, oh, okay, I get it. Um, after the catching away of the church, God turns his attention back to Israel, and these 144,000 Jewish male virgins will literally preach the gospel of the kingdom. Not the gospel of the grace of God, the gospel of the kingdom to the entire world. So it really will get fulfilled before the second coming, the second advent. Not this, not a, not a secret catching away of the church in the clouds, but a public coming back in the clouds in wrath to set up his kingdom on the planet. That will happen, and uh, there will be, in the midst of all that tribulation, there will be uh, quite a, an effort on the 144,000's part to get the gospel where it needs to go of the kingdom on time. All right, so another couple things just to notice here is that when he's talking about the temple in Jerusalem, um, that is, I I mentioned Jeremiah 26. um, um, I actually, I said Jeremiah 23. There's another uh, prophecy, Jeremiah 26, 18. It's kind of interesting here what Jesus says. If you look back there in Jeremiah 26, and verse 18, this is a prophecy that Jesus gave. It says, Micah the Morishite prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and spake to all the people of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be plowed like a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountain of the house of the high places of a, uh, places of a forest. Literally in 70 A.D., when Titus, uh, General Titus came into Jerusalem, uh, after they destroyed the temple, stones were massive. And after they destroyed those, they literally, uh, and there's historic accounts, that they, they plowed it. They, they were looking for gold. They thought there, would be, there was temple gold. So they plowed the field down. It was flat, just completely decimated. So today where the temple mount is in the wall, uh, that's actually a Roman citadel. But uh, I won't get too far into that. That cause, I can cause a lot of consternation. So I'm just going to say, say that's just what it is. I mean, it is what it is. Josephus would tell you it was all plowed down and flat and had, uh, and, and there's, I think there's more than one witness to that, that it just literally is exactly what Jesus said. It got decimated. All right, so um, where am I at with all that? When we go back to, uh, so when you look in, we're in Matthew 24. Let's just stay there for just a second. So when you go down to like verse, uh, so he gives you two timelines here, the beginning of sorrows and uh, then the great tribulation. In verse 8, um, he said, well, start verse, let's just pick it up where we were in verse 4. It says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, and I, <laughs> saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. 
See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. So this is all, it says in verse 8, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. Um, And so then uh, shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end shall be the same shall be saved. Notice what he says in verse 14. Same context, same discussion, this different location from Mark 13. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto the nations, and shall then shall the end come. Okay, let's take a time out. Now, what gospel? Of, what gospel of the kingdom is he talking about? Well, the one that's listed in verse 13. This is the gospel of the kingdom. But he that, that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Is that how we get saved? Right? Is that, is that, well, sure it is. It's the fifth point on the tulip, isn't it? Perseverance of the saints. No, it is not. It is not that. I'm being facetious. It is not that. We're saved by grace through faith. I mean, it's so clear. The finished work of Jesus Christ, we put our faith in Christ. There's no work that we put into it, right? We don't endure to the end to be saved. We're saved because Jesus endured our sin on the cross. Our faith is in him and the finished work. So what do we have, two gospels? Yeah, you have a, well, you do. You have a different, right now we're saved by grace through faith alone. But in the, after the catching away of the church, when the, the Daniel 70th week, it's faith and works. If you take the mark of the beast, it's very clear in the book of Revelation, what's going to happen? You're condemned. My brother, Brett Bar- my brother Brett Bartlett says, well, there is more grace. You can get your right eye plucked out or cut off your arm, and then God will give you grace. Okay, maybe. We'll see. I'm not going to take any chances. <laughs> so, but even if there's that kind of grace, that's still not quite the same as what we get today, right? And, um, and, so, and so, I'm just saying... Uh, it is what it is. That's what the Bible teaches. In, and that's why, by the way, the Gospels harmonize with Revelation. And it's easy to see when you put it all together because in essence, you're back to an old, what we call economy. You're in an Old Testament economy. Once the catching away of the church occurs, it goes back to an Old Testament economy with the caveat that salvation is still through Jesus Christ. Right, so it's not just going back to the Old Testament alone and works and all of that, although there will be a temple because it gets desecrated by the Antichrist. There's no temple today in Jerusalem, but there will be. And, uh, and uh, there will be an Antichrist that sits on that temple. Okay, so what you have is uh, in Daniel's 70th week, just kind of a quick chart, there's a, we've, got, we've got the church age rolling along for approximately... 2,000 years. It's not quite been 2,000 years, by the way, since the resurrection. And um, I know a lot of, I don't want to get too far afoot from the original question that she had, but uh, there's coming a day, according to you know, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and, and 1 Corinthians 15, the church is going to get caught up in the clouds with the Lord in the air, and that will begin a time of seven years, which is one week in the book of Daniel, chapter 9. 
It's called the 70th week. The 69 weeks have already occurred leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on the cross. And then there's 2,000 years of just missing. Whoa, where'd they go? Well, they were a mystery. They were hidden. So the mountain peaks, if you were looking at it from a prophetic view, he looks right past the cross. There's a 70th week, uh, and the catching of the church occurs. There's a temple rebuilt and some sort of throne, evidently, because it talks about the Antichrist going in and sitting three and a half years in. He sits on the throne proclaiming to be God. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. The question is, so the temple's not built till after the rapture? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, it could be built. I don't, so I don't know why it couldn't be built prior to. Uh, and I don't know why it couldn't be built after. I do suspect it is already ready. So they have prefab temple ready, and uh, the, the, they already got the Sanhedrin ready. They got a red heifer ready. They got, they've, they've got, all the, they got everything ready. So they could probably quickly put together the temple, I'm guessing. I don't know what the construction schedule is, but I suspect that they could put it up in rapid fashion. You know, I suspect it's probably prefabbed already sitting in a warehouse somewhere and, uh, or whatever, uh, ready to go. There's a couple different... You can actually get online and look. They got... They've already got plans where it would fit. You can fit on the Temple Mount there in between the mosque. I mean, so they've got all kinds of, you know, lining up with the Eastern Gate. So they've got it all mapped out and ready to go, prefabbed. Uh, anyway, so the uh, so you got the last half, which is three and a half years, and Jesus Christ returns. And by the way, we return with him, which that may be, that might spring some more questions for later. Revelation 19, we come back with him, and we literally... You know, he splits the Mount of Olives, uh, Zechariah chapter 14, and uh, and he literally takes over the planet at that point. Um, and he he he. I'm really condensing this. So this time period that the, that they're talking about is he's he's giving information about this first part, which is the beginning of sorrows that he speaks of here in verse eight. He says, this is what's going to be going on. There's going to be, and we know this from Revelation, so I'm putting a lot of pieces together, but there's going to be a man that, that comes in peacefully. He's going to have a kind of a, a, a faux church. Uh, she's a woman riding a beast, right? Uh, and so uh, he, he, he comes in on, on, with her auspices um, and the ancient prophecies going all the way back uh, to Babylon and the Gentile powers culminate to this point, and then she will help put him into play as a peacemaker, and then as soon as he gets into play as a peacemaker, there's a lot of war and stuff that starts happening. So even though it's kind of like a false Pax Romana, a Roman peace comes in. So, you know, Rome will be instrumental in that. Uh, the false bride bringing in this Antichrist, more of a politician, not a, not a, a political uh, or more of a political leader initially. But that transitions at Revelation 17. He throws her under the bus. Those kings of the earth aren't too happy with her. And so uh, he goes, okay, take my bride, you know, and uh, you can just stomp her to the ground because now I'm going to take over. And with the help of the false prophet and Satan himself being cast out of, this, out of the second heaven, he becomes Satan incarnate at the midpoint and says, hey, I'm taking over the show here and you can worship me now. And that happens at the midpoint. That's called the abomination that makes desolate. And so, uh, or the abomination of desolation spoken of Daniel the prophet. Depends on which place you're in the Bible, it's first. It's New Testament. It's not just Matthew, Mark, and all of that. In Matthew 24, it's also First Thessalonians chapter two, uh, lays it all out, and it's right, right there. 
And so, uh, when that happens, um, you know, uh, it's on like Donkey Kong, and the last three and a half years are great tribulation. And you see that in the text in Matthew chapter 24, down in verse uh, 21. So let's just pick up where I left off. So there's this gospel of the kingdom, endure the end to be saved. Not the same gospel that we're preaching today uh, before the catching away of the church. This is another gospel uh, that will be preached um, in the tribulation, in the beginning of sorrows and the great tribulation. When therefore ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. Verse 16, let them which be in Judea, specifically Judea, flee to the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house, neither let him which is in the field return back to his clothes. Right, so you get out of town. When you see the midpoint, when you see this happen, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be like, wait a minute, this isn't right. Verse 19, woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. You, you don't want to be with child when this happens. Uh, but pray ye that your flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day, uh, which, by the way, gives you a little bit of window when this abomination of desolations could happen. There's some sort of wiggle room here in this first three and a half somehow. As he says, it's here or here. Pray that it's not here or here. So there's some sort of, he's left it a little loose for some reason. I don't know. So don't ask me why, because I don't know. I can surmise. I can guess. I don't really know. God knows. When he does stuff like that, it's like, hmm, that's interesting. I don't know exactly what he's doing there. Because this is a pretty tight timeline. It's seven years, no doubt about it. It's one week. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it is locked in. And so uh, second coming, same way. It's going to work with the Feast of Trumpets. It's going to happen right on time. I mean, so... The timeline's pretty locked down, but yet he leaves a little wiggle room. I'm not, I don't know why. Well, he, probably because it's yet to happen and he's got some things he's going to work out that I don't even know about yet. So anyway, interesting stuff there. But anyway, he says in verse 21, I want, you to, I want to get here and then I'll move on. For then shall be great tribulation, which was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor uh, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh be saved. Uh, but for the elect's sake, uh, those days shall be shortened. Now, the elect's sake there is not talking about the church. This is talking about the nation of Israel and the tribulation. If, if any man uh, shall say unto you, Lo, here's Christ, or uh, there, believe it not. So we're back to what we're talking about in Math, Mark chapter 13. So... Uh, it's just as we think about these things and we consider you know this concept just putting it in context right and understanding it historically doctrinally doctrinally what it's teaching is really a prophetic application jesus is talking about things yet future they were yet future when he was talking on the mount of olives which i mentioned zechariah 14 he literally comes back and splits the mount of olives so he's sitting on the mount of olives telling his disciples about a time when i'll be coming back in the end and I'm going to split the bad boy open, <laughs> right? That, that's wild for me to think about. I can't imagine just sitting hang, hanging with Jesus, you know, having him download all this information. You're sitting on the ground that he's literally going to come back and it's going to, whew, I mean, the whole earth is going to shake. The mountains are going to drop. The, the hills are going to rise. I mean, it's the mountain, I mean, Mount of Olives is going to split open. It's going to be wild. I mean, the power of Christ at his second coming is, it's like, it's better than Marvel. So, I mean, it's just going to be amazing. So that's all going to be happening. Uh, so this is called the Great Tribulation, these last three and a half years. So and just to kind of be clear here, there's been some discussion about, well, it's not really tribulation unless it's the last three and a half years. Okay, let me just do a little bit of English grammar. 
if there is great tribulation, what comes before great tribulation? Tribulation, right? So let's not get into semantics, right? Daniel's 70th week is a time of tribulation. The beginning of sorrows, that's tribulation, right? Uh, but the great, the great tribulation is the last three and a half years. That is when it is the vials get poured out at the end of that, and it, all hell breaks loose on earth. Uh, you know, Revelation chapter 9 occurs, and so, which is a whole other series we could get into, but there's a lot. I mean, all the stuff that you're already starting to see, so you're starting to see it kind of, they're prepping us, so to speak, right, with transhumanism. So when the angelic hosts show up, Genesis chapter 6 style, people will be kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. Just saw yesterday like 70, is it 7? 94, Italian doctors say 94, 94% of all uh, people that uh, took a, a uh, vaccination have, uh, and someone can check my facts on this, have, Amy, what was that thing I was watching? I ended up searching, I was researching it, put Amy to sleep. Um, <laughs> graph, graph, graphitis, or, huh? Graphene, yeah. Graphene. Yeah. yeah, so it's basically a genetic modifier, and, uh, and which it wasn't supposed to be, but it is, and it's graphene. Yeah, graphene. So anyway, um, and then there's all kinds of just speculation on what all that can do and be about. But ultimately, we know, right? We know, we know the, the image, head of gold, feet. When you get to the bottom of it, Daniel, iron mixed with clay. Iron mixed with clay. Yes, sir. Okay, the question is, because they can't hear you online, Pat's asking, the, go ahead and ask that question. Graphene and how that differs from, from like nanotechnology, because I've heard that, you know, they place some nanotechnology in it. Yes. And, but I, but I not heard what graphene is. Well, that's actually, from what I understand, it's like, and I don't know. I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm not a, a physician, so I'm not going to answer, like I have any authority or understanding. But it's 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 my uneducated uh, understanding that it is somehow a delivery mechanism for the nanotechnology, and I could be wrong on that a little bit. But the idea is that it is somehow connected to that. Yeah, and it would. It's well, the DNA modifier, right? So you send a. There, it's a DNA. It's all about modifying DNA. And the graph, the graphite, is uh, has a has a role to play in that. That I'm not quite full. I'm still I'm looking into all of that. I'm not quite sure. My point in bringing all that up, though, is that we're getting to the place just mentally. I'll just use the word mentally. It's a spiritual wickedness. But just mentally, you guys. I mean, this isn't a secret. All you gotta do is like open your eyeballs and look around. So, so 20 years ago, you know, the thought of the the thought of transsexualism and all that was just perversion. I mean, it's just crazy. And uh, and women's rights, you protected women. Well, okay, now all of a sudden men can be women, women can be men, and all you got to do is like kind of think about it. And then, oh, you are. You are what you think. Well, it's like, well, what do you mean? Biologically, you're still a man, and, you know, biologically, you're still a woman. You know, well, that doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. So we're just going to get confused. Well, right now it's dealing with it's starting with it's starting right. It was just behavior, 
you know, kind of like sodomite type of behavior, homosexuality. So we start with sexuality. So when I'm a little kid in second grade, I don't even, the thought that the odd couple's gay never even entered my mind, right? It never even, it never, you know, I never heard of that. I remember sitting in second grade and they're talking about the odd couple being gay. And I'm like, what is the word gay? I thought that meant to be happy, you know? So we live in this whole innocent world, right? You know, back in the 70s. And, uh, and then by the time I come down here and become a pastor, I got 12-year-olds on the school bus uh, going to camp telling me that, well, you know, it's okay to be a homosexual. Just don't judge everybody. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where'd you hear that? Well, you know, that's what we learn at school. Like, time out. It, it, you're not judging. It just That's perversion. Biblically, that's perversion. That's not what God intended for your sexuality. It's harmful. Statistically, right? So now you've got to teach kids, unteach what they learn. So just the other day, Amy was there. My daughter says, Brian, she didn't say Brian. She says, uh, she says Dad, you're a homophobe. I was like, What? I'm a homophobe. And uh, she says, well, yeah, because you don't like sexual perversion. <laughs> At least she gets that right. And, uh, and I'm like, <laughs> the truth is, let me tell you something about humans. All humans like sexual perversion in one way, shape, or form. That's where the devil's playground is. And that's why we can't tolerate it in our own lives or the lives of others. Right? So I just want to be fair when it comes to the sexual perversion stuff. Um, whatever it is, right? And that's why we got to capture every thought and bring it captive, right? Okay, so let's just be clear. So we're not those Christians. Um, we understand the flesh, and it's evil and it's wicked. And I do. I, I love people. I don't care where they, what sin they're involved in. I don't care what perversion they're in. They can get saved, and God loves them. Okay, so let's just make that clear. So I'm not a... I'm not a I had to explain to her, what is a phobia? Because her definition is what she's been taught at school, which is if you aren't down right, with perverse behavior, you are now a phobic, you're transphobic, you're homophobic, you're whatever phobic, and you're, and therefore you are a hater, right, and of course, that's, that's antithetical to my worldview, I'm not a hater, I'm a lover, not a fighter, right, I let Jesus do my fighting. He'll take care of that in Revelation chapter 19, right? So there's a day for fighting, but today I'm an ambassador, right? I'm here to deliver peace terms. I'm not here to beat anybody up. I'm here to just say, hey, listen, this is the truth. The truth is it's not good for you. It's not good for anybody. But I just say that because things are changing, uh, and, uh, and so people are, their minds are being twisted, even in definition. So I had to explain what phobia means is scared of. You're afraid of something. Arachnophobia, you know, whatever phobia. So, no, I'm not scared of, I'm not, I'm scared of Jesus, right? Other than that, there's no, God hasn't given me the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So, Christians are not phobic. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's antithetical for Christians, if we're walking in the spirit, to be, have phobia, right? Because we have no fear. Uh, biblically speaking, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So we fear God, keep his commandments. All right, so other than that, now I'm not homophobic, transphobic, whatever phobic. Uh, I just don't want to see people get hurt in all kinds of sexual perversions. And now not even sexual, which is where I'm going with this. Ultimately, as we get into this, now eventually it's not going to be just sexual. It'll be, it'll be transhumic. And you, you, so humic, I don't know if that's the word, human. So you have people now, do you want to identify as a cat? you want to identify as a dog? and all of that, and it just goes on and on. What's all that really about? It's about, ultimately, 
humans losing sight that initially they were created in the image and likeness of God. And we're all still in the likeness of God. And God has an order for society, but first of all for the family, the husband, the wife, the man, the woman, the reproductive cycle. The devil's attacked that from the beginning. He's attacking it now. So he's got to redefine that because he wants to introduce some more Genesis 6 activity. As in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. When you see the earth open up and these beasts come out of the earth in Revelation chapter 9, it ain't no joke. I mean, there's some demonic activity. Uh, so now, oh, all of a sudden, no, oh, there's UFOs. Well, yeah, I mean, they weren't talking about that. You know, back when I was a kid, it was the, whatever, the blue file. What was that thing called? The, it was a TV show. You had to watch it to see if there were UFOs were a thing, and the Air Force was always investigating it, and it was always, no, that's crazy, that's crazy. And now it's like, well, yeah, there's some sort of UFOs. We just don't know what they are. So, you know, guys, it's just going to get crazier and crazier and crazier. But the Bible, man, it's give you all the answers before it ever started. I mean, it's all here. So that's way off the course of the question I had. I don't know how I got onto that. But when you're in Matthew 24, you're going to get into a lot of that kind of stuff. So this great tribulation is going to get, it's going to get great. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be unbelievable, um, but that's what's on the ta- that's what's on the ta- that's why you want to get saved today. You want to be born again because you don't want to go there. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Time out. Can you get her the mic? Because uh, people online don't know what you're saying. Actually, probably people across the room can't hear you. <laughs> Sharon can't hear you across the aisle. So. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Like in First Corinthians, that we're talking about your body's a temple. Your body's a temple of God. Yeah. Not like an actual place, so that can't be church either, right? Right. It is a. That's a good point. Um, Aaron's pointing out that in the book of First Corinthians and Romans chapter twelve, right, our body is a temple. And so in the church age, in this dispensation, our body is the temple, body, soul, and spirit. So we are the temple, and the body is where Jesus dwells. Once we're taken out, that's why the attention goes back to a physical temple, and it gets desecrated. But the, the Jews will inhabit it. It's interesting, too, how God is gracious with that. Cause so Herod, this Roman, you know, a wicked Roman leader, builds a temple, the great temple of Herod, you know, Herod the Great. And God still honors it. You know, there wasn't nothing holy about Herod. But God was like, hey, you got a temple. I'll I'll take your sacrifices if you do it right. And then when you don't, I'll come and throw the tables over (laughs) because you're perverting it. And I'll level this thing in 70 AD, right? So, I mean, he has his his patience with that, with what God's doing. Even with the, you know, the temple, the physical temple on earth isn't really, I mean, the Jews would probably hate me for saying this, but it's not really the deal. I mean, it's a deal. It's important. But it's all just a picture of the temple in the third heaven. And we are the temple of God. Good point. Talking about the dream, that, that kind of is attacking God's temple. Oh, yeah. Well, the, that's getting back to attacking God's temple. Sexual perversion is a, an assault on God's temple. So in a devotional sense, uh, we go to like Nehemiah. Right? We look at the gates, and we need to have gates. We got gates on our temple, and we need to guard the gates, what we let in, and so on and so forth, uh, because this is the temple. 
And what we do in this temple affects everybody in this body because we're all together the temple. We are the body of Christ. And so that's why the Lord's Supper is so important and, and how we handle ourselves. And we got to love, we got to edify one another in love. Uh, and so we got to put others out of ourselves. All of the, the great commandment, all that goes right back into to that point of the temple and how the body's fitly joined and fitly framed and all of that. That's really good. Well, I got a lot more I'd like to say about all that, but for time's sake, I'm not going to, I don't think I want to keep going. I think I've touched on everything. I got lots of notes here, but I don't think we need to go there. So um, let me just see if there's anything here I missed. Uh, I do have a note here that um, the New Testament is very, very clear that the rapture of the church will occur in an instant when the temple when the trumpet's blown and the Lord catches us away. I mentioned that 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, 13 through 18 there. But some, some conflate that with the rapture of the tribulation saints, which is mentioned at the end of Mark 13, and I mentioned that earlier. Uh, and that's an understandable thing to get confused. Also, it's a great picture, just if you want to see what a rapture looks like. Uh, Mark, just go look real quick and look at Mark chapter 13, because it's very, very clear uh, there what... What's going to happen if you kind of go on to the back of that chapter, Mark 13, he says there around verse 24, but in those days after, after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened. No, I'm in the wrong spot. Uh, where does it talk about her grinding? I may be in the wrong, I may be in, supposed to be in, I think I'm supposed to be in, I took you the wrong spot. I think I'm in Matthew, Mark or Matthew. Let me go to the back of Matthew 24. I know where it's at on the page. Where is it? Yeah, that's it. Thank you. It's not on the page where I thought. Let's pick it up in 36. But but of that day and hour knoweth no man... Uh, not the the uh, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall be the coming of the Son of Man. Let me just say this really quick about verse that passage right there that's so important. Jeremy actually said this Sunday morning. I was I was so encouraged. He said it the way he said it, very precisely. Um, the 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 day of the Lord begins at the rapture of the church. If you just place it here at the second coming, which is also the day of the Lord. Okay, that's the day, the little twenty-four hour day where He returns and establishes His coming. But the day of the Lord begins here. And it'll run through the millennium one day. So the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, I shouldn't say that. The day of the Lord begins here, but the coming of the Lord, I should take that back. The coming of the Lord uh, begins at the catching away of the church. And it begins. It's just like his first coming. Let me put it that way. Did Jesus come, you know, um, in 2 B.C. or 1 B.C., wherever you date it? Yeah, he physically came. He was here. But he didn't have his public ministry for, you know, 30 years later. And then he died on the cross. And so his first coming stretches 33 years, right? Well, his second coming is like that as well. It starts at the catching away of the church, but it stretches 
and the second coming begins the day of the Lord. He returns in a literal day in Revelation, a 24-hour period. He takes over the planet, and then he rules it for a thousand-year day. So the day of the Lord is a 24-hour day, and it's a thousand-year day. Just like when Adam died, he died in a 24-hour day. Spiritually, he died instantly, and he was separated from God in fellowship, but it took him 930 years before he died physically. So Jesus reverses that curse. He comes back and judges sin in a day, and then he rules and reigns on the planet for a thousand years. The last Adam takes over where the first Adam fell. Okay, so um, where was I going with that? So the day of the Lord. That's, it's interesting the way this is worded in verse 39. And until the, the flood came and took them all away, so shall be the coming, I want to be careful here, the coming of the Son of Man be. Because the Son of Man comes in the clouds and catches the church away. So in that sense, the church is being talked about here because we can be included in that prophecy. Um, okay, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 40, then shall two be in the field. Check this out. And one shall be taken and the other left. So they're just gone. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, and one shall be taken and the other left. So he, there's no illusions here. As what are, This rapture is not just something that you see in Marvel comics, you know. Uh, this is this is something that Jesus himself said. This is what's going to happen. And, of course, Paul follows up in 1 Thessalonians directly to the church and says, you will be changed, right? 1 Corinthians 15 as well. You will be changed in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump. And so... Uh, so all of that is listed for you there, and uh, and so you can see a picture, right? Not just a picture, a prophecy. Jesus himself saying this is what's going to happen. There's going to be a catching away. Now, what's cool about this prophecy, though, is that not only does it apply here, there will also be one right about here somewhere for tribulation saints. And there's also, there's a different one. It's not really so much a rapture as the, the two witnesses resurrect, and they go up, and everybody sees them. It's no secret. It's just like, they kill them, they're in state, everybody's partying, yay, we killed the two witnesses, and then, and then they just get up and say, ascend to heaven. And then that's when, that's all, that's, that's when it gets crazy. All right, so, um, all right, so, I think that covers pretty much everything I wanted to cover with that. Don't confuse this, so this issue with preaching the gospel, too, devotionally, I think is a good place to end on this topic, because we should preach the gospel to every nation. Oh, one of the things, and this is a good, I got time to just kind of wrap this up. So I'll get to your question next week. And then, well, next week we'll have Bible conference. Okay. And then, Shane, you're going to have to sit on yours, bro. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, man. So, um, so, my age is catching up to me here. What was I going to say? Devotional application. Yeah, that's what I said. There was, there was a really important point here that I wanted to bring up, and now it's fell out of my brain. Uh, in regard to the imminent return of Christ and the church, um, I guess it wasn't that important. Preaching the gospel to every nation. Yep. I don't recollect what it was. Oh, well, the Lord knows. So um, there was something I was really wanting to get to that we needed to just to cap this off. I don't see it in my notes. But I've touched on a lot of the different things. Just make sure as we, as we consider this, uh, the, you know, the end of the, 
the end of the matter here for the church age is we are to get the gospel everywhere it needs to go. Oh, I do know what it was going to be. And this is also important in regard to the catching away of the church. I remember now. Um, a lot of us look at the catching away of the church, and this is a great way to just kind of wrap all this discussion up, as like a great escape. Like, oh, man, I can't wait to get out of here. You know, and don't get me wrong. It is a blessed hope. And so we should all be looking forward. Titus is very clear. We should all be looking forward to the catching away of the church. So we get to see our loved ones. Uh, we get to, I mean, it's all there. First Thessalonians chapter 4. I mean, it, it, we should be looking forward to that. So don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. <laughs> but I do need you to understand that every dispensation, right, every time God dispenses his grace, different, he dispenses his grace differently through time. So he dealt with Adam and Eve uh, before the fall in a in one way, after the fall, he dealt with them another way, right? And he enacted animal sacrifice once the family was attacked, right? And then, and then after the flood of Noah, he dealt with man differently. He enacted human government, right? And said, okay, guys, I'm going to let you run. And before you know it, Nimrod's on the throne. He's like, oh, my gosh, I confound the nations. I've got to keep you guys from getting crazy here. And then, and then, of course, he gives a covenant promise to Abraham, and then... Moses comes along. And then once the nation of Israel is birthed, uh, he gives them the law and the commandments, and God deals with the nation of Israel differently than he did with the human government era under Noah, than he did with Adam and Eve after the fall, than he did with Adam and Eve before the fall, right? So he dispenses, he gives out his grace differently over time. And then, of course, there's the advent of Jesus Christ, and he's rejected, the Messiah is rejected, and then well, so he's been dealing with us for the last couple thousand years differently. We've got this awesome gospel that uh, salvation by grace through faith, not of works. Let's, I mean, praise God. Hallelujah to you. Gentiles, we don't have to keep the law. You don't have to get circumcised. You don't have to try to figure out 600 and some laws and then take your sacrifice to the temple or make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem or none of that. Or go to the synagogue. We are. We kind of do the synagogue. That's what local church actually is. We took over. But, um, but that is, that's what we do. Right? Praise God. But after the catching away of the church, well, he goes back to the law, and then after he deals with this season here fulfilling what was left undone in that 70th week, then he goes to another dispensation, the dispensation in the millennium, uh, and then you got the ages to come after that. Okay, so I probably I feel like I missed something there, but that's okay. And my point is simply this. Every dispensation ends with a judgment. And one of the judgments that that we know is going to occur uh, is that we will not get the gospel where it needs to go on time. When I say we, I mean, well, I mean yes. I mean the church. Um, and so, you know, that guy a couple years ago that got killed on the little island out in the South Pacific trying to reach the natives, and they speared him to death, and everybody was all up in arms. Oh, no, this crazy guy, he should have left them alone. I'm like, you know, more power to that dude, you know? Uh, he was taking the gospel literally. He was trying to get it to people who literally had not heard the gospel. Uh, and, uh, and so he got a lot of heat, both from Christians and non-Christians. Of course, you expect non-Christians to give the guy heat. But even Christians were like, well, that was kind of foolish, and what a bad testimony, and, you know, whatever, man. The guy's taking the Bible literally and trying to get the gospel where it needs to go. I'm all for it. And, uh, and he's martyred, and maybe someone needs to follow up behind him. You know, so, you know, I'm just saying, God cares about those people in that little island that haven't heard the gospel. And to my knowledge, they still haven't heard it. All right, so, so every 
dispensation ends with a failure, right? And so part of the catching away of the church is that judgment that we didn't get to every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. And the prophecy tells us who will. The 144,000 Jewish male virgins will. All the world. They're going to be like, you know, you take the two witnesses, and you're like, oh, you thought they were tough. Now here's 144,000 on steroids. <laughs> so 144,000 Apostle Pauls, the Jewish male virgins, with the same kind of sign, sign gifts and power that the apostles had, and, and now they're unleashed on the world. And so everybody will hear. And you know what's sad? They won't all receive it. Many won't receive it. As a matter of fact, by the time you get to Revelation 19, the whole world is galvanized, not the whole world, but many in the world are galvanized against Jesus Christ himself and are re- literally ready to fight him head on, which is, a, is just a suicide. And that's exactly what it is, is a suicide mission. And so he lets them have what they want, and he treads upon the grapes of wrath, and the blood will run bridle deep, and he'll take over. And then he will bring a Green New Deal. The Green New Deal's coming, but it isn't going to come. It's not going to come because of the church. It ain't going to come because of any other person, of world government. It's going to come because Jesus Christ himself brings back the deal. He brings back the water. He sits on the throne and it trickles out of his side and it goes out and it heals the nations, literally. And so, uh, which is the culmination of Ezekiel and his prophecies. So all that's in the Bible, right? This sounds like, you know, if Marvel would just get a hold of the Bible, man, they'd have better movies. But they don't, they, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They got to get that wizard guy out there and that cat man do and start doing a bunch of paganism and multiverse stuff. And so Jesus is going to come back and set all that straight. There's, there's one king, there's one lord, There's one God. There's one universe, and it's his. And so, anyway, a lot of of mind-bending going on today, beloved. We've got to keep our heads straight in the Bible and uh, even in the church. So these guys get on here, and, you know, maybe they don't know any different. That's okay. But you should know different, and you do that by understanding the Bible in its context and how to apply it historically, doctrinally, inspirationally, devotionally. And, uh, And so we do need to endeavor uh, to get the gospel where it needs to go on time and say well brian if if it's not going to be successful well guess what like your mama told you i'm not worried about everybody else's kids i'm worried about mine (laughs) right so we got to worry about what we're supposed to do and let god take care of everything else and uh, i still do pray that we can be a philadelphian church in the laodicean period and uh, the judgment seat of christ will bear that out one way or the other all right so hope, Jan, that was sufficient, and uh, if not, we can take it up later. And then we'll have, uh, next week is the Bible conference, so praise the Lord uh, for that. And uh, I want to get this thing kind of wrapped up so we can get out to the ice cream. Uh, from what I understand, I saw Brady in and out. Uh, I, I don't know if our kids will be outside in the back or if we collect them. Do you guys know? So I just know that there's ice cream at the tent and fireworks. So there's going to be a big old blast off fireworks. And I heard, I heard a rumor. We don't do that in church, but I heard a rumor that those fireworks are going to be incredible. So like 20 minutes straight, just blowing off like it's at the city park. Okay, I'm over, I'm embellishing it. I don't know, think it's going to be quite like the city park. But it's going to be 20 minutes, that's what I heard, of uh, some pretty, pretty fancy fireworks. So last year they did it 
And uh, I was impressed. I was expecting a few, you know, bottle rockets being, you know, and I was like, whoa, that was pretty good, you know. Huh? Do we have a resident I think we got more than one resident pyro. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we got a couple, two or three lurking around here ready to blow things up. So I mean that with love. <laughs> no conspiracies. All right. So... Um, did I put any? Did that create any more questions? By the way, if it did, mark them down. You can email them to me, or you, you can hold it. You can hold it until one of our other studies, and we'll get we'll get things going. All right. Well, let's uh, have a word of prayer. We'll get we'll be dismissed. Let's do every head bowed and every eye closed.